We're going to turn to God's Word. Thank you, Father. Praise the Lord. We're going to turn to God's Word. We've been meditating from James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, and we'll continue the message that we shared with the church last week. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil, and he will free from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. My Father, we come in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word. We pray that you will speak into our lives. Release grace and anointing in this place that will make the proclamation of your word effective. Every resistance to the preaching of God's word, we bind them in the name of Jesus. We take victory in the name of Jesus. To Christ be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So we've been sharing from James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. And the title for the message was Steps to Victory. And today we're going to move to the part 2 of what we've been sharing. We're going to give a quick recap within the next three minutes. This is what we talked about last week. We talked about in the Bible, there are different kinds of plans that are unfolded. You and I, we are in a spiritual battle. We are not in a playground, but we are in a battleground. And in this battleground, you and I need to know that Jesus the conqueror has gone before us. He has crushed the head of the serpent on the cross of Calvary. We are called to go from victory to victory. But quite often, God's children, instead of claiming the victory of God, instead of celebrating the victory that he has already won for us, many children of God live in defeat. The reason is, we do not understand the ploys and the schemes of the enemy that bruise against us and the one that he unleashes against our lives. So we've been looking from James as James unfolds the battle plan that, that is before us. And we started by saying, James talks about the three different directions that are given here. Number one is the upward direction the upward direction if we want to move up in life you and i have to lift up our eyes up and move upwards god has called us for progress god has called us out for upward mobility in life in every arenas of life god does not want us to be stagnant or going backwards but he wants us to press forward. And you and I have an enemy that wants to push us backwards. We want to gain more grounds 
in this battle that you and I are facing in our lives. So in this quest for upward direction, the first step we said we need to take, as James tells, is that we need to submit ourselves to God. When we submit ourselves to God, the next thing that we need to do is we need to draw near to God. Draw near to God. Submit ourselves to God and then draw near to God. And what is the outcome when we submit ourselves to God and draw near to God? The outcome is God draws to you. All right? So that's the first direction that we talked about. The second direction that we talked about is the inward direction as James unfolds it before us. What is the inward direction? As we want to zoom up in life, God also wants us to take a good look into our lives. Uh, what is it that we need to do? The Bible says, cleanse your hands and purify your hearts. When we live in this world, there are a lot of contaminants around us that is able to defile our lives. That's why Paul, writing to the Corinthians, says, therefore get rid of everything that will contaminate your, your body and your spirit, the flesh and the spirit, and you need to do what? You need to do what? You have to perfect holiness in the fear of God. That's what Paul says. And we said cleanse your hands means the actions. What are we involved in? Praise the Lord. If we are involved in anything that is ungodly, unlike God, we want to come into the presence of God and ask the Lord to cleanse us. The water of God's word helps us as an agent to cleanse us. Praise the Lord. And likewise, we need to purify our hearts. It shows the motives of our hearts. The motives of our heart, as, which, as you take the word that the psalmist put, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing unto you, Lord. Praise God. So the motives of our heart and the actions of our lives, they have to be synchronized. Praise the Lord. That's what it means. In other words, we can have a wrong motive and do the right thing. But God who looks in the deepest part of our lives, the inner, the truth in the inner parts, he desires that the motives and the actions should be synchronized. In other words, as the heart goes, so should the hand go. This is what God desires from all of us. So the inward direction is cleansing our hands and purifying our hearts. And James is bold enough to say, you double-minded. And what is double-minded? We said double-minded means, you know, unstable, riding on the fence, not here, not there. One day this, the other day that. 
one day celebration the next day something else indulgence into the world that's not the kind of life that god desires from us so the inward direction is absolutely important and the outcome is we said his holiness praise the lord the bible says without holiness no man shall see god praise the lord so what is it as we live in this world in this world there are times that we will falter there are times that we would slip god wants us to come look at ourselves in the mirror of god's word use the water of god's word ask the lord to sprinkle the blood of jesus and be cleansed a life that is constantly sanctified that's the kind of life that god desires from us that's the kind of life god can use praise the lord whenever there is compromise in our life we need to know that our witness is compromised praise the lord what god wants to do in us and through us loses its edge listen to me very carefully whenever we compromise with the world we lose our testimony praise the lord what else happens is our effectiveness the razor sharp edge of a pure clean life before god becomes blunt and there is an ineffectiveness in our ministry there is an ineffectiveness as we try to go out into the world and share christ god has released you and me out into the world you are the aroma of christ you and me are the ones who need to carry the fragrance of life we as we go about in the world god wants the fragrance of life the aroma of christ to emit through our lives he wants the love of god to radiate through our lives and when there is compromise in our lives when there is compromise in the arenas of purity what happens is we lose our edge the instead of the fragrance of life instead of the aroma of christ instead of the radiance of god's glory something else starts showing up that's why in christians you see that sometimes as christians the ugly head pops up the ugly head of the old nature pops up because we have not spent or lingered in the presence of god asking us to cleanse us god's children are expected every day to take a good cleansing coming into the presence of god so that we will continue to be glorifying him and be effective in our ventures for the lord jesus christ so the outcome is holiness and this is very important because god is holy and god wants to see his attributes reflected through his children be ye perfect as your heavenly father is perfect be ye holy peter be ye holy as he is holy praise the lord so god desires 
holiness in our lives. What is holiness? Holiness, we said, is, praise God, being full of God. Holiness, we said, is the conformity to the character of God. That means when we conform ourselves to the character of God, everything God loves, we would love. And everything God hates, we would hate. This is what God desires in our practical day-to-day -day life. This is what God desires from us. So, shall we move to the next part, which is part two today, the outward direction, all right? So, the first thing we said was the upward direction. You, you and I have to submit ourselves to God and draw ourselves close to God. When we do that, God is saying, I will draw near to you. Praise the Lord. The next thing we said was an inner direction. That is cleansing our hands, purifying our hearts, not being double-minded, and being holy in the sight of God. The holiness that we are talking about is not one that is produced by our effort, but as we yield our members of our bodies to the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit empowers us. Praise God. Changes our desires. Changes our passion. Changes our attitude. Changes our appetites. Changes our altitude. Changes our association. To the point what drives you and me is the Spirit of God. With a new desire. With a new passion. With a new appetite for God and godly things. Praise the Lord. So, formulating the battle plan, James says, when number one is in place, number two is in place, now you're ready. Go. What is it? The outward direction. What is the outward direction that James is saying? Resist. Resist what? Huh? Resist. The devil and he will flee away. Resist the devil. All right. So here we go. Resist the devil. This is how the dictionary puts it. Um, the dictionary says to resist is to stand against, to withstand, to act in opposition, to oppose by standing unmoved and interrupting the incoming onslaught of any force that wants to overwhelm you, overgulp you, override you, take you out. You and I, God calls us to withstand it, resist it, oppose it. Stand against the onslaught. Stand against the flood of the incoming torrential onslaught of the enemy. The Bible says, stand firm. Resist the devil. This is what the Bible says. Praise the Lord. Now, this is not something that you can do carelessly or casually. Praise God. Nobody goes into battle carelessly or casually. 
it's very important that we understand that we by our strength cannot do anything, but when we yield ourselves and put on the whole armor of God, God equips you, one, he not only equips you, number two, he empowers you. Praise the Lord. He not only empowers you, he energizes you. He not only energizes you, he enables you. He wants you and I to be victorious. God does not desire that any of us be defeated, but he wants us to be victorious. And every provision has been made so that we will be victorious. We have to put on the whole armor of God and resist him. Praise God. Resist the devil. Praise God. And the Bible says that when we do, what will happen? He will flee away. How is it that we can resist the devil? That's the question that we need to ask ourselves. We resist him by closing our eyes and our ears to his suggestions and temptations. Now listen to me very carefully, guys. We resist the devil by closing our eyes and our ears to his suggestions and temptations. What does that mean? Literally close your eyes and walk around? Is that what it mean? What does that mean? Ignore him. See, we need to, God has made us very uniquely. We have five senses. What are they? What are they? All right. All five in operation. All five active. We have five senses that allows us to relate to the world around us. Within these five senses, there are two senses known as the eye gate and the ear gate. Very good. Good student. Eye gate and the ear gate. The eye gate is used. What's the eye gate? See, I don't want you guys to think, what, what eye gate do we talking about? Okay. This is the eye gate and this is the ear gate. Okay. So we said it, resisting the devil means Closing our eyes and our ears to his suggestions and temptation. So this eye gate, the eye gate is the window of our soul. Okay? It's the window of our soul. So we have been gifted with this eye gate, which is a window of our soul which allows us to look, enjoy, you know, admire, appreciate. And then there is this ear gate which allows us to hear what goes on. Praise God. This is an inbuilt ability that God has given us. So, when we are, this eye gate and the ear gate, we employ it or we put them into use every day of our lives. As we employ it and put it to use for every day of our lives, what the enemy does is he uses the same eye gate and the ear gate to do what? To reach out to us. Praise the Lord. 
Now, constantly our worlds are bombarded by images. Constantly our world is bombarded by sounds. So there is the visuals going on one side, and then there is the sound going on the other side. There is this big competition going out into the world with the visuals and the sounds, trying to capture and captivate our attention and our affection. The enemy wants to get hold of our attention Tension, and he wants to get a hold of our affection. Once he has our attention and you continue to dabble or allow him access into you, allow him access into your life through what you see, through the images that comes into your mind, that is sent into your life, Praise God. Eventually, if your filter is not active, it's not activated, the attention eventually will become the affection. Once he has the attention and the affection, then slowly it moves into the next realm where he will try to make it a stronghold of his life, of our life. Praise the Lord. Listen to me. So the eye gate and the ear gate, he uses them to have access into every one of our lives. See, no one is immune from this. There is no exemptions. The immunity is self-immunity. In other words, when you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God gives us the grace and the wisdom to say no and to resist the onslaught or the attack of the enemy. The Satan does not come with a pitchfork and a long tail and, 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 and trying to deceive you likewise, but rather he comes and he presents himself in a very, very Innocent way, praise the Lord. See, watch what you watch. Watch what you read. Watch what you hear. Watch what your affection is towards. Because if it's not kosher, what's kosher? What's kosher? When I say kosher, what does that mean? Calling a rabbi and asking him to pray over it? What's kosher? Somebody. Huh? Come on, come on. Some of the young ones. Set about. All right. Kosher. What's kosher? Hmm? Something that's acceptable for the Lord. It has to be kosher. You have to ask yourself, is it kosher? Is it kosher? You need to ask yourself, is it kosher? Praise God. If it's not kosher, Turn to your neighbor and ask your neighbor, what have you been watching? And ask, ask your neighbor, is it kosher? Is it kosher? And people don't even want to look into each other's eyes. That's trouble. That's a telltale sign of what? <laughs> so the eye gate and the ear gate. We have to be very careful with the eye gate and the ear gate. If we don't 
if you don't fit ourselves with the right kind of what? Filter system, we are in trouble. Right? Suppose, suppose your, your, your job, your, your place in, in a workplace, and constantly you're, 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 you're seeing images that you should not be seeing. I mean, you need a lot of grace, my brother, my sister. You need a lot of grace. Praise God. Eventually, because the images are so powerful that even after you've seen it hours and hours and days and years later, images have the potential to register in your mind and the mind has the capacity to draw it out of the memory bank and play it in your mind over and over again, thereby defiling your mind. God has made us very unique, man. The potential and the capacity that we have is very unique. That's the reason enemy wants to get a grab of us. Praise God. But we have given ourselves to Jesus, and Jesus wants us to live the overcoming life. Look, all right, so let's move on. We need to, we need to look into more stuff. Okay, there is images, there are voices, there are opinions, there are suggestions. The world tries to influence us. Constantly, it's beckoning our attention and our affection so that we will be molded according to the moldings of the world. Praise God. That's why Apostle Paul, writing to Romans chapter 12, 2, he says what? He says, therefore, what do we do? 12, 2. Do not be conformed to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing, renewal of your mind. Praise the Lord. Okay, so there is a constant challenge that you and I face. So we need to understand how is it that we can resist the enemy. And for that, the best person or the best example from the Bible is who? Come on, guys. It's not that hard. Jesus. All right. Was Jesus tempted? How was he tempted? He was tempted in all ways just like us. According to the writer of Hebrews, the only difference between Jesus and us or mankind is that every temptation Jesus overcame. The writer of Hebrews says that he was tempted in all ways just as, he, just as we are. Yet he was without sin. So the model that we're going to look is Jesus. So let's look at Jesus. All right. Now we're going to look at some good other examples also. Number one, so Jesus, when he starts his ministry, as soon as he was baptized, the Bible says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And for 40 days he fasted. After the fasting came the feasting, right? Is that what happened after the fasting immediately came the feasting? No, there was what? The temptation. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted. And there are three temptations that's given there. Today we're going to focus on one of them because that's the direction I'm going to take. There are three, three temptations. What was the first temptation? Left side. What's the first temptation? Come on. Turn the stone into bread. Second temptation. Second temptation worship. Come on. Jump! Third temptation. All right. So, three things. One, I want to dub it like this. The first temptation, power. The second temptation, 
Second temptation is what? Protection. Jump and the Lord will protect you. The third temptation, promise. So I'm, I, I'm not going to get into that, but I want to get into the, the power part. All right? The power part. The first temptation, Jesus, Satan comes to Jesus and says, listen, you guys are you're hungry. Jesus was hungry after 40 days of fasting. And Satan comes and he says, turn what? The stone into bread. All right? So in other words, what was the temptation here? The temptation here was, use your power and meet your, gratify your desire or your need right away. That was the temptation. Now, when you study the life of Jesus, we see that Jesus, you think Jesus could have turned the stone into bread? Yes or no? Yes. Give, me a, give me a supporting document for it. Don't just say yes because Jesus can do everything he can. Give me a supporting document. What would be a supporting document? Water into wine. Very good. So Jesus can do it. If he wants it, he can do it. But when you study the, the miracles of Jesus, we understand that Jesus never used his power to promote himself, but he was always aligned to the will of the Father. He was always synchronized with the Father's timing and synchronized with the will of the Father. I came to do, do the will of the one who sent me. My meat is to do the will of the one who sent me. My desire is to do the, the, the will of the one who sent. This is what Jesus constantly said, and he constantly did that, all right? So the first temptation was, use your power to satisfy your need. So this is one arena that the enemy uses to reach out to us. Number one, praise the Lord. Power. Power. Use your power. Use your power. Now, when you study about God, we see that God is an almighty God. And you see the power of God is constantly seen in creation. You, the power of God, the almighty God, his power has different shades to it. Meaning, as it is manifested on the earth, in the realm of the universe, you can dub it a different name. Okay? Number one, you can talk about, when you talk about the power, you can talk about the creative power of God. God's creative power is very unique. If you and I have to create something, what do we need to create? What do we need to create? Come on, tell me. If I have to create, if I have to make this pulpit, what do I need? What do I need? Huh? You need matter? What else do you need? This particular thing, I want to create this. I want to make this, build this. What do I need? I need the raw material. I need what? Wood. We need wood. We need what else? Maybe, maybe, maybe a couple of nails. This is what we need. We need raw materials. We need raw materials to build and to create. All right? But God's creative power is so unique that only God can create not something out of nothing. In other words, the Bible says he calls the things that are not as if they are, meaning God can speak into existence something that is not there. That's the creative power of God. That's the God you and I serve. 
Praise the Lord. So when we think about that, you stand in awe. It is a whoa, whoa. Can you imagine? You say it, it's happening. So everything, Paul writing to Colossians says, everything that is visible, everything that's invisible, God spoke into existence. So the creative power of God. Now within the creative power of God, there is God creating things out of nothing. He can call something out. But when he created man, he picked up what? The dirt of the soil and he created man in his own likeness and image. He used the power driven fingers of God. Two ears. Two nose. And he created you and me in a very unique way. That's also the creating power of God. But then there is something called the redeeming power of God. Only God can redeem mankind and he did. That's the redeeming power of God. God can redeem time. I don't have the time to get into it. God can redeem time. Time, once it's gone, it's gone forever. But God can redeem time some other day. The redeeming power of God. What else? The delivering power of God. The healing power of God. The transforming power of God. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God can transform a person like this. Praise the Lord. I don't know whether if you have seen, I've seen people whose lives are transformed. God can do a work in us in such a way that we will be a different person. That's the transforming power of God. Then there's the resurrection power of God that we've experienced in our spiritual life and one we will experience out in the future. Then there is something called the recreating power of God. In other words, he can take something and he can make something else out of it. Praise the Lord. He took the water and he made wine out of it. Praise God. Hallelujah. That God can do. God turned the water in the river Nile. What did he turn into? God can do it. Praise the Lord. So that is, God can change the substance that in such a way that the one does not look like the other one. This is something that God can do. And this is what Satan was trying to get Jesus to do. Number one, he does is the power of suggestion. The power of suggestion. Do you know what the power of suggestion is? Satan employed the power of suggestion in the garden of Eden. What was the suggestion he made? Huh? It says, did God really say, you can become like, actually, you can become like God. That's the power of suggestion, praise the Lord. And this is what Satan employs. He uses the power of suggestion. For the power of suggestion to work in us, praise God, when Satan unleashes the power of suggestion, Okay, He would use people who are close to us to make the power of suggestion. Praise the Lord. Eh, example, example, example from the Bible. Lots, not lots. Job's wife told Job, why do you continue to serve God like this? Go and 
That's the power. It's what suggesting, suggesting. But Job was what? Much more vigilant. If we are not vigilant, that's why the Bible says, be alert. Be vigilant. Because when the suggestion is made, if you are not alert, you will fall for it. The power of suggestion. Okay? So the power of suggestion was used. Why didn't you turn that stone into bread? But Jesus was what? Sharp. Sharp. And he wants his children to be sharp. Tell your neighbor, God wants you to be sharp. He wants you to be sharp. So when the power of suggestion comes, you have to do what? You have to evaluate that in the light of God's word. And you have to, if it is, it is something that's wrong, you have to resist it. You have to resist it. You have to stand against it. The power of suggestion. Now, there is spiritual power and there is natural power. God has given us power. God has given us power. All of us have power, praise God. You know, we might not have the kind of power to do miracles, but God has given every one of us power. Tell me some of the power that you have. Hmm? Influence, very good. The power to influence, very good. Thank you, my brother. Good point, I'll add it to my message. That's how I make messages. I ask you guys, you guys give me the points. All right, what's the next one? Huh? The power to choose. Very good. All right. Very good. What are some of the power that God has already given you? Somebody say something? Power of words. Wow, wow, that's cool. Life and death is in the tip of your tongue. Watch your tongue. What you say. Now, Employ that, all right? Now, you as a father and a mother, you have power. You have a domain where you exercise your power. What's that domain? What's the domain? What's your domain? The domain where you exercise your power. Every father, every mother has it. Home. The domain of your home. You are the king and the queen of your home. How many of you guys feel as if you are the king and the queen of your home? Some people feel that they are the slaves of the home. You're not slaves. You are king and queen of the home. Praise the Lord. And you have the power, praise God, to do what? To build your home. To speak life into your home. To mold your children. To build your children. To encourage your children. To direct your children. To bless your children. That's the power God has given us. Praise God. Unfortunately, at times, Satan influences and creeps into this domain. And instead of peace, love, joy, and hope brimming in our homes, we have something else coming because he has got entry into our homes. And so, instead of speaking words of affirmation, speaking words that will build our generation, we tend to speak words that will tear them down. So we need to become people as parents 
who realize that God has given me a domain. And within this domain, he has made me a king and a queen. And God has given me the tools to build, build my home in such a way that not only we will be happy, we will become people who can influence our neighbor. The power, praise the Lord. The next power, right? As, as people who go to work, you and I, we go to work, we go to work. There is an employee and an employer. You might be a manager in your, in, in your workplace. You might be a supervisor in your workplace. You have been given what? Certain authority and power. This is conferred upon you. And within that domain that God has placed you, you can use your power or you can abuse your power. I'll give you a scenario. Your, one of your employees come to you and say, I want some time off. You have the discretion to do what? To do what? Some people love to see others live in, in misery. Some people do. People who experience misery, they want to be miserable. And that's what they put forth. Okay? So that's the domain. The next domain, I want to come home, right? Come home. Home is where right now? Home is where right now? IPA is the home right now, right now. All right, we are under the same home. All right, suppose I'm a Sunday school teacher. All right, so the students that are given under me, I can use my power over them. All right, I can use the power over them. All right, suppose, let's, let's, let's look at it like this. Okay, we have an exam. All right, we're going to have a Sunday school exam for the Malayalam model class in two weeks. Okay, that's an announcement. All right, now, listen. Suppose we have an exam, and we all, there are, uh, there are 10 students, there are 10 students took the exam, and I'm going through the paper. I don't like Denny, and I like Matai Chinankal. All right, now I have this power. All right? So, as I'm struggling, what is the struggle that I'm going through? I hear the voice, the suggestion, this is a time to do what? To do what? Come on! All you guys don't like Denny, speak up! Speak up! <laughs> what do you do? Power. Power. I'm going to bring it home. You got spot. Okay, so I'm a board member now. Uh oh! I've got to drive the message home. I'm a board member. So as a board member, I have a power. I have an individual power and have the, I, can, I can get the group dynamics working and I can influence the decision. Oops, I hope we didn't say that, but we're talking about power. All right? So what can we do? You can do something good. You can do something harmful. Nobody does anything intentionally harmful, but anything that doesn't stand the test of God's word will eventually become harmful. So I can use my power of influence, power of office to bring something that's good or bring something that's not good. All right. Now we're going to touch God's word to drive our point home. Here it is. You know, Joseph stands before his brothers. 
He puts them in the jail for three days, and then after three days, he comes and tells them. He releases them, and he gives them a reason for releasing them. He says, I fear God. Praise God. Uh, when you have the temptation to use your power in a way that's not endorsed by God, the fear of God is what keeps the balance. Nobody was watching over him. Nobody had influence over him. Only the Pharaoh, but Pharaoh could care less. But he realized that God was watching over him. Why are we saying resisting the devil? How do you resist the devil? If you have to resist the devil, you need to come under the word of God. You need to come under the influence of God. You need to submit yourself to God. One more verse before we wrap up for today. You know, I want to take one more verse because that's important. Here it is. I want you to read this verse. How does the enemy influence us? How does Satan influence us? Let's look at this words. First Chronicles 21, 1, 2, and 7. David was a powerful man. David was a man of God. David was a man after God's own heart. David was a sweet psalmist of Israel. David was a good musician. David was a good leader. But even being a good leader, this is what the Bible says, Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to take a census of Israel. Now tell me, is there anything wrong in taking census? Anything wrong in taking census? Yes or no? No, there's nothing wrong in taking census. Okay, but verse 7 says, this command was also evil in the sight of God, so he punished Israel. I want, you to, I want everybody to read that verse carefully. Go home and read that verse when you get a chance. But this, right now, just look at that verse. So David being a leader, David being the king of Israel, he was not exempt from the suggestion of Satan to do what? To count, to take a census. What is wrong in taking census? Nothing is wrong in taking census except the fact Except the fact there are two reasons. Number one, what caused David to take the census? It was the pride that had come within him. He wanted to number the men who would go and fight. And, and, and it was like a boost into his ego. Right? Now, it looks, this looks very harmless. Why? The reason I'm saying is, listen. Resisting devil is closing our eyes and our ears to his suggestion and to, to the temptation. We almost all the time when we talk about temptation, it's people always just talk about one side of temptation. They talk about the temptation to sin, the temptation for immorality, the temptation for sex. All these things are true. But this is, looks very harmless. And this is how the enemy gets us. He gets us in a way that looks very harmless. One, it was pride. 
pride. Number two was disobedience. When you read Exodus chapter 30, verse 12, it's written what the disobedience was. God allowed census to be taken, but to take the census, there was a command that was given with it. When you take the census, they had to, every male who was 20 and above, had to give an offering to the Lord that went exclusively to the Lord. Half a shekel offering. None of this thing was done. So he just overlooked that. So he was in violation of the command of God. Number two, it was the pride that cost him to use to exert his power. Exert his power. All right? What does it mean, exert his power? King David, even though Joab, his commander, said that it was a bad idea and tried to resist it, King David, he did what? He exerted his power and got things done his way. What are we saying? The power, using your power in a godly way. Joseph used it in a godly way. David, he used it to exert his desire and thereby there was a violation of the command of God and it was pride that caused him to do so. What are we saying? What we are saying is the temptation that comes to us might come to us in an arena from a direction that we least expect, that it looks harmless, that it looks innocent. But we need to ask ourselves before we yield ourselves to the power of suggestion, to the power of influence, whether this is of God, whether this is godly. You and I need to have our filter in place. What filter? The scripture filter. The spirit filter in place. This is very important. And how did Jesus overcome? Jesus overcame by the sword of the spirit. What is the sword of the spirit? The word of God. In every temptation, Jesus used the word of God to overcome it. Praise the Lord. Now, if we have to use the sword of the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit has to be ready and available. For that, what we have to do? Number one, we have to be people who memorize the Scripture. Hello? Say, memorizing. Number two, we have to be people who are reciting the Scripture. Memorizing is not good enough. We have to recite. Jesus, he said what? He, he recited or he used the words. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The ability to memorize. David said, I have hid your word in my heart so that I might not sin against thee. Praise God. If you have to overcome the temptation or the suggestion of the enemy, we need to have the word of God stored in our hearts. We need to be people who recite the scriptures. Number third this is very important if you have to resist the enemy we have to submit ourselves to the scripture tell me what it is to submit ourselves to the scripture how do we submit ourselves to the scripture tell me scripture in my mind is good I need it so that I can pull it off and use it 
The ability to recite the scripture is needed. I need to say the right words at the right time to put the enemy in check. But what is submitting ourselves to the scripture? Praise God. Listen, this is where we fail in our life. As Christians who are grown in church, we have articulated the art of memorizing the scripture. We have articulated the art of reciting the scripture, but if we do not submit to the scripture that we memorized and recite, we will not be able to stand against the enemy. Can't. It doesn't work. The enemy will call us what? Bluff. Yeah. The seven sons of Sceva, they came to a demon-possessed man and says, In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, come out! What did the demons do? The Bible says, those guys looked at him and says, Jesus we know, Paul we know, who in the world are you? Meaning what? Meaning what? Using the right words, using the right religious jargon, but not submitting ourselves to the word. If we have to resist the devil, we have to have all three of them. Memorize the scripture, recite the scripture, submit to the scripture. Submit to God, Resist the devil and he will flee away. Praise the Lord. I'm not done. There is more stuff, but the time is up. We're going to pray. I want you to close your eyes. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. One moment. Lord, shall we pray? Folks, none of us are exempt. You and I, we are not supermen, but we are ordinary men who have the ability to become overcomers when we submit ourselves to God and to his word. Praise God. How do we use our power? How do we respond to the power of suggestion? Like Joseph, does the fear of God rule and reign in our lives? Fear of God, a good dose of holy, godly, right kind of fear. Not a fear out of terror, but a fear out of reverence to God will cause us to do Use our power in a godly way. David used his power. He used it for his pride. And in so doing, he incurred the hand of God that came against him. This morning, there is an enemy that's working against us. Shall we ask, Lord, make me sharp. Make me vigilant. Make me alert. May I not... Be a prey to the enemy. And can you pray one more thing?
Even as we say, Lord, make me not a prey to the enemy, P-R-E-Y, can we also pray, Lord, let me not be an instrument in the hands of the enemy. Job's wife was an instrument in the hands of the enemy. Judas was an instrument in the hands of the enemy. You could hang around with Jesus, but you and I are not exempt from the influence of the enemy. Shall we yield our lives to you? Father, we come in the name of Jesus. Upward direction, inward direction, outward direction. Give us grace, Father, to overcome every suggestions and every temptation of the enemy. When the enemy comes to us, we pray that our eye gates and our ear gates will be closed. And it would always have a filter that would only allow God to work in our lives. We yield our lives to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you.